Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm Priscilla McKinney, Little Bird Marketing Mama over here and the CEO, La Presidenta, whatever you want to call me this morning. Really, I kind of do everything here. So whatever you refer to me as, it's fine because my next guest actually likes to refer to me as quote unquote the person who's always at the conferences. So we're going to get into that just a little bit. But today I have with me Edward Staples, the Senior Director of Business Development from over at Protégé. So Ed, welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. I think I referred to you as a road warrior um, because (laughs) conferences are are hard work and it's it's not all glamour uh, doing business travel, but I, I respect and appreciate that. Oh my gosh, isn't that true? Those of us behind the curtain, it's like I, you know, the kinds of things, a, you know, a client will have a last minute ask, you know, while we're at a conference and we're all end up in our, in our hotel room, like doing that ask or something. It's like, man, if anybody ever knew just how unglamorous some of this work was, they may not want to do it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, well, I remember when Mad Men was on and people were like, wow, you must have a really glamorous life for so long. <laughs> Just just because I do drink two martinis at lunch doesn't mean the whole thing is glamorous. <laughs> no, that's just maintenance martinis. That's, right. That's right. what those are. Yeah. It took me a while to convince my wife not to refer to business travel as, quote, vacation, unquote. Oh, um, mm-hmm. I, I think she's starting to see the light. <laughs> okay. We do like to mix it up a little bit. So you and I do end up sometimes at some pretty swanky cocktail parties, and that's okay. So we do get a chance to talk. But the things that we like to talk about is you also are at the crossroads of marketing and market research, and you have been for some time. Um, so now, as the Senior Director and Business Development person uh, at Protégé, really, I imagine that most of your life is trying to figure out how do I support people who are coming to us needing qual and quant research, like trying to really figure it out. Things are moving, things are changing. But before we go a little further, I just want to let my audience know some of the things that you do know about so you understand where we're, we're coming from in this conversation. But Ed um, works with uh, trackers, concept testing, in-person and online qualitative, um, and then even biometric measurement-based um, research. So there's a lot of interesting things we can unpack there. But, you know, he's worked in a lot of different verticals from CPG, QSR, travel, apparel, retail, really a lot of things in there. So I think there's a real breadth of knowledge that we're going to talk about. But I think where we're going to hone in is that you really are motivated in helping, you know, your customers figure out how to get a little bit closer to their consumers. So I think that's the I, I think that's the the selling point right there about what motivates you, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that last that really um, uh, describes this very well. It's nothing more interesting and fascinating to me than um, working with somebody to help them understand how how are we communicating with people? How do they communicate? How do they make decisions? Um, As a a guy who has a degree in English and has been all about communications from way back in in the day, yes, that's, that's uh, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. So surprise, surprise, yet again, another person on my show who is in market research who does not have a degree in market research. <laughs> because guess what? 99% of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was so excited uh, recently. I, I got an opportunity to talk at a graduate class in market research 
Um, and it, it was great talking to people that had really dedicated their education to, to this topic. And there's so many interesting, um, I think, research problems that they're going to help us uh, um, solve and help us define a couple things that, that we will, we'll probably end up talking about today. Oh, I love that. Well, as for me, I have a degree in cultural anthropology, so that makes total sense that I'm the CEO of a digital marketing firm, right? Total. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just straight path, I'm sure. <laughs> well, there was one topic that you and I um, discussed a little bit that I thought would be really interesting to my audience, and that is this conundrum of DIY for market research. And I know that, you know, sitting where you sit at Protege, you are privy to all kinds of conversations that are going on with multiple parties. And you get to hear what it is that clients are trying to do. They're trying to be scrappy. They're trying to be, you know, really budget conscious. They're also trying to, you know, cut fluff and get right to the insight. So there's a lot of great motivations going on. So a lot of people are looking to DIY platforms, but yet there is also a flip side and a little bit of a problem when people don't have the skills or maybe are not really sure, you know, on the outset, they don't know what they're really getting into. So, you know, there was this idea that DIY is going to be quick and quick and dirty, you know, (laughs) let's just get it done, you know, kind of thing. But there are a lot of sophisticated research goals that, you know, that this is not perfect for. So give me a little bit of a background about, you know, that concept, that idea from your perspective. And then we're going to talk about, I'm going to bring up some real problems. I might try and even stump you. Like what are some things that you are hearing, some challenges that these clients are facing? I love it. It'll be so easy to stump me on things that it'll, <laughs> it'll be funny. But I, I like how you I like how you frame that. And scrappy is a is a great word for that. I mean, I think especially uh, a lot of companies today um, are looking at smaller teams with the same amount of work or smaller budgets and lofty goals. Um, and so you know, people have to get scrappy and figure out how am I going to accomplish this stuff. And I think, I mean. I don't know about you, but certainly for me in this industry, uh, every day is a case of I don't know what I don't know. I mean, especially early, early career, you know, it's all these acronyms and all these concepts and, um, you know, 16 plus years later looking at it, and I'm like, yeah, there's a lot to say moderating a qualitative session or writing a, um, a screener um, or a survey, even just deciding like, how do I ask questions? How do I phrase them? What order do I, I put them in? And I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies are, are looking for DIY solutions um, to be on the cheap and to be fast. And, and those, those are certainly two things that define the DIY uh, set of solutions, but um, the the issue I think some people encounter is okay. Well, I've got a log on here, um, but I, it's just me all alone here, and I don't I don't know how to do this or that. And every problem is the hardest problem in the world if you if you don't know how to how to solve it, you know. So um, well, I, ha- I hate to add that, another layer of complexity and problem on top of that, but mm. also I imagine that you're also talking to some people who basically just started in that job last Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, and and that's fun. I mean, I I enjoy you know at, at this point in, in my career, I, I enjoy being a person that's got some answers. And I, my kids will tell tell you this that I I like being the guy that can that can help, and it's it's an enjoyable role. 
Um, but yeah, I, you know, sometimes there's just so much to do, especially when you're new at a company and you've got these, these lofty goals and you've been hired because you understand Gen Z, uh, better, better than, you know, this executive does. So what, what can you show me? Um, and, and I think, you know, the new DIY to, to, you know, coin a term, um, is, is really DIT. I mean, what, what at Protégé, we, we, we use that term DIT, do it together. Um, so in other words, yes, here's some tools and this will allow you to do things on your own. So at your leisure, um, you, you want to launch something right now, right this minute. Great. You want to check on something in the middle of the night. No problem. But you're not all alone, you know, you're not in a, a, a rowboat in the middle of the ocean, <laughs> you right. know, you've got to, you've got to partner with you. And I think that's important to the success of a DIY uh, model. Okay. So I did mention this. We know that we have an a issue of, of really this industry and it's not just us in flux. I mean, everybody, you know, for the great resignation, people are moving around. This is just an outpouring of COVID. We know this is something we have to get through. But I don't want to, you know, uh, kind of make that problem sound like as if this DIY or this DIT conundrum is coming because people are new at their job. What you and I talked about specifically was that, you know, even people who are very uh, seasoned veterans are also finding this to be very difficult because of new obstacles coming up or new requests. And you, you said it right at the beginning. I'm going to unpack that one more time. Mar market research teams are being asked to do so much more with so much less these days. So I think that is our underlying, you know, uh, um, lead, you know, for this, this topic. Right. But let's bring up a couple of, of the issues that are happening. I know that there is a behavioral boom going on in this industry. Um, you and I've talked about it a little bit, you know, this idea that people are asking for more behavioral data. So therefore market research teams are feeling this demand. Like, how do I answer that? My stakeholders are asking me, but you know, how do people behave? Not how do people say they behave <laughs> and how can we figure yeah. out some of those levers to get them to behave the way we want them to behave. So tell me a little bit about moving away from self-reported data and what this means, what kind of pressure this puts on market research teams who maybe haven't done behavioral market research before. Oh, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, so, you know, I'll say this, I honestly believe that a qualified respondent, right? Like somebody, you know, we have a proprietary panel at Protege. So we've um, we've validated their identity and, and we've screened them and we run quality measures. A qualified respondent is doing their level best to answer correctly. But if you ask me when the last time was that I bought a pair of jeans or what brand of uh, baked beans um, I purchased the most, I'm, I'm going to take a guess and I'm going to be what I consider honest. But I have found that my clients their end clients just go bananas over the idea of having um, uh, uh, behavioral data to back that up. So, um, you know, for, for example, we, we leverage things like receipt capture data of in-store uh, and online, or we'll leverage geolocation uh, data um, to validate that people have visited a place and they've stayed there for uh, the appropriate amount of time that indicates a visit, um, and even clickstream data so that we have line of sight on where where people are are visiting. Um, an example that that I like to share is I, I work with a very large uh, retailer, U.S. based retailer, 
Um, and their research problem was why are people coming to our locations without making a purchase? And their frustration had been that that with a with a previous um, um, partner, they were they were getting data that just didn't make sense. And they felt like what they were ultimately getting were people that were not being honest about visiting their stores or not. So we we went in with this really interesting approach, and it was uh, a combination of using geolocation data to validate that they'd made a visit backed up by a screener uh, where we would ask if they made a purchase or not. Um, we also used receipt capture data that indicated that they had made a purchase at one of their competitors of a product that would only really have been made at either them or one of their competitors. Um, and, and through the combination of those, we gave them that warm and fuzzy feeling, that comfort level that they were actually getting people that, that um, had, had done what they said they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think that's what's, that's what's important about uh, behavioral data. It's, it's that we don't always really recall um, with accuracy um, what, what we're being asked. But also, if I'm, you know, if I'm the executive trying to decide how much I'm going to spend on the Super Bowl commercial, I want to balance it on data that I really believe in. And behavioral data can can really become uh, the cornerstone of that. Well, for the confusion, all I have to say is humans. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're not super reliable in some ways. <laughs> and yeah, there's... I mean, you, you meant... You mentioned biometric measurement, which we, we don't actually do. I've done this in my in my career, but um, one of the things that uncovers is, you know, at what moment did this advertisement capture your attention? And nobody can tell you that. Like they'll try, but like you need you need science to to get you to that. And I think anytime we have data, uh, behavioral data that we can apply to that problem, um, you, you get more accurate. Let's take a short break. Are you looking for experts and tools to collect research data worldwide? Global sampling, field management, and data collection are just some of the services that Gazelle Global provides. Visit gazelleglobal.com to learn more about how our expertise can help you unearth quality data that drives meaningful insights. Get your research done anywhere around the world quickly and efficiently. Visit gazelleglobal.com today. Right. Okay. So what we've just really opened up this uh, proverbial Pandora's box here is that research maybe seem very clear at the outset. Tell me what people are doing when they come in my store. Like, I want to know what the humans think about our store. And then along the way, it becomes incredibly complicated. We don't think the humans are telling us what what they're actually doing, or maybe they're so unaware of what it is that they are doing, which is obviously the the thrust of behavioral <laughs> behavioral science is that it's going on on the non-conscious <clears throat> mind and it's not up in up in the you know prefrontal cortex so forget it they can't even tell you what's going on but complication 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 but let's talk about two other complications one that's a little bit of a subject near and dear my heart i do have a degree like i said in cultural anthropology and my actual thesis my senior year this, and I'm going to date myself here, but, you know, this was when I graduated college in 1993, and my thesis it was that the race and ethnicity terms on any kind of a screener, any kind of a survey were not only inaccurate, they were actually very offensive. And this has become very mainstream now. <laughs> but, you know, I'm a white Hispanic, I'm not a Latina, and this confuses people a lot. 
And I even mm. have people who say, you know, I remember talking with a colleague of mine from Mexico. What do you mean? How could you possibly be Hispanic and not be Latina? Um, ever heard of Puerto Rico? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting how complicated these things are. So tell me about not only race and ethnicity, but also the complications that people are seeing now with, with gender terms and what this means, you know, for a company like Protégé who says, well, you know, of course, here's a DIY platform, but we also can do it together. So we're happy mm. to kind of, you know, bridge that gap for you when you need us. What are the complications you're hearing along these wavelengths? Yeah, I, I, I love this topic. It, it's so interesting. And, and I'll say just talking about our industry, I'm very proud of our industry because we're the industry that looks at these um, issues and takes them head on. And, and, you know, we're here to, to assume that we don't know and to listen in order to find the information. And just that is what we as, as humans could be doing in, in general about these things that, that you've discussed. My, my own stake in the trade is, so here I am, I'm a middle-aged white guy. Um, but I'm in a biracial uh, marriage, and so my my children go and they have to fill out a form, and they've got some boxes to check. And a lot of times it's check one box, and sometimes it's check a box that doesn't exactly accurately describe, but you know the, that's that's your choice. Um, I, I think you know you 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 hit the nail on the head as as a society, uh, as a, as a culture, um, we've began to have more open discussions about how, how do we ask this question? You know, so one, one example I've seen is that for, for years and years, um, one of the, the boxes you could check in describing your ethnicity might just say Asian. Um, but my wife is of Indian descent. So that might not be the same thing as saying I'm Asian, but I'm from Vietnamese descent. Right. Just in the same way that if you were to take a poll um, and you're, you're looking for opinions of middle aged you know, white guys and you're like, well, I've got some answers from Canada and from England and from Australia. So that ought to cover us for America. Right. That maybe, but not not necessarily. And I think in the U.S., again, there's the question about um, do I check off the box for Hispanic um, and do I assume that the opinions of a person from Puerto Rico are the same as the opinions of somebody from Mexico, the same from the opinions from somebody from Brazil? Um, it's it's a there's a lot to unpack uh, in in these in these questions. D- DIY wise, or or more like in terms of being a, a consultant, um, you know, we're, we're here to help foster. Um, what a company wants to accomplish, right? So if somebody's coming to me and they're asking me about this, uh, it's more a question of what are you trying to accomplish with the with the research? I mean, do we even need to ask uh, a gender or race or Hispanic oh, origin oh my question gosh. for the study or not? Oh, oh my gosh, there there's the mic drop yeah. there. It always comes back to me. It's like, why are we even asking? Is this pertinent? Right. Now, I'm not saying it's never right. pertinent. That's what we're talking about is that things are more complex than people want them to be, period. So I'm not saying mm-hmm. there's one hard answer. No, it's not saying, oh, throw these questions out. It's the questions like, we always start with these questions. Who says? <laughs> like, right. If it is not pertinent to the research that we're doing, why do we care? And I love that idea of, you know, kind of from where you sit to be able to challenge that to, you know, the brands or to, to the, your client 
and say, is that going to inform this research or not? Because we're already making things long and unwieldy for the humans that are participating. Is there something we can mm -hmm. do that keeps the integrity of the research and keeps them engaged and gets the real insight out of it, but yet gets rid of the, the superfluous, you know, questions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, and that's one of the things, you know, to your original point, when you're looking at, at DIY, it's like, this might, be a, this might be a question that you hadn't anticipated when you sat down to write your first, you know, anybody who's ever written a survey or a screener can remember the first time they sat down to do that. And they're like, oh, should I ask this? How do I ask this? When do I ask this? Does this even matter? Like, there's a lot uh, to think about. So, so we, I mean, I think we at Protege, you know, we have the opportunity to be good uh, consultants. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm one on a team of a bunch of people that are smarter than I that, that come from all over the research industry, right? Like I'm a former Millward Brownie. Um, my boss is from JD Power. We've got people from uh, Nielsen and um, you know uh, Hall and Partners, et cetera, et cetera. So we've got people that are there to kind of guide our clients through. You know, how how can we help you make these decisions and get to data that that's going to mean something to your business? Right. So you just mentioned something about your own, your team. So let's unpack that a little bit. Protege probably around what four hundred employees or something like that. Yeah, we're closer to 500, actually. Closer we 500. acquired a number of, of companies uh, during uh, COVID. I, February, we, we announced the, the acquisition of a company called Polefish, which has this amazing uh, DIY survey programming platform, which just blows me away. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so about 500. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it, you're right in that, you know, when you look at all of the leaders on the Protege team, there are a lot of awards, a lot of accolades, a lot of experience there. But really, you guys come to the market as, gosh, I would, you know, say, it's just basically an evolving technology. Is is that fair? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, in terms of the the evolution uh, of us, uh, and I'll give the briefest version of what I think is an amazing story. But we started out in 2005, more or less as a white labeled uh, internet search. Right? You you go online, you want to search for whatever, and you get points, which you can convert those points into a donation to a charity of your choice. That's a beautiful origin story, if you ask me. But over time, that's evolved into, um, for our respondents, like, what, what other things are you doing online and how can we create a rewarding moment around that? So people are taking surveys or they're shopping online or they're watching videos or playing games and, and so forth. And then at a certain point in our evolution, that became, um, well, Besides just wholesaling respondents, like what else can we do to support our customers? So we began to add in things like program, you know, we can program, but we'll offer a DIY platform where you can program and we can manage the field work, um, you know, and, and go all the way down to data processing and data visualization and, and final reports and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, evolution is a great uh, is a great uh, way to put it, and and that's a ten second uh, version of of uh, that doesn't do justice to the protege story. Well, I love that, but I want to come back to the thing you said that your kids mentioned about you <laughs> that mm. you like to be the person who helps. So tell me in your day to day, what is the thing you like to help the most about? Is is there something you know that comes to mind? Maybe an experience you have. Maybe it doesn't have to be like 
the superlative. This was the most thing, you know, uh, but just an example <laughs> of like, what gets you up in the morning? What is it that really still piques your interest about helping people do market research and accomplish that kind of a goal to get closer to the consumer? All right. Well, get ready to get bored because here, here it comes. But uh, <laughs> I mean, but uh, honestly, if, Ed, if I take never Biden, say that yeah. on a podcast. Do not say that. They won't listen to the end. You're supposed to say, wait a minute. Here's all the good stuff you were waiting for and listening to this episode. Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, big fumble there, yes. Uh, I, I mean, if there's something I I, tr- I take pride in, or or that you know, my north star is to be as as good a consultant as as possible, right? So at the end of the day, I want to you know, if I tell you, hey, you know, Priscilla, we can do this. It'll take this much time. This is how much data we can get you. I want you by the end of whatever we've done to go. Wow, that's that is what we did, or 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 we did. We did better. I mean, that that to me, and there's so much to know in order to do that. Like, how long does it take to get a thousand responses gen pop versus how long does it take to get a thousand responses from gen Z? Because, um, you know, spoiler, it's not the same amount of time, you know, or, or, you know, just how do you plan things out? How do you manage uh, quotas? Um, you know, how much time is it going to take? What can I do with the data? How best to cut the data? Things like that. I love that stuff. Uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit math nerdy uh, in that way. And and I'm lucky to have a great team that's, that's able to actually do the heavy lifting. I love that. Well, how do people reach you? Because I know for me, I reach you by... I'll see you at the next uh, in- industry conference, <laughs> but that's really unfair. Yeah. So just as a thank you for coming on. Um, yeah. Tell us like where we can find you and where you'd like people to look, to learn more about protege. Awesome. Th- thanks for that. I, I mean, so it's, it's pretty easy. Um, although, although people don't always spell protege correctly and that's not their fault. Um, but the best way to reach me is Edward dot and then S as in Staples, which is my last name, but edward.s at protege, which is P as in Peter, R-O, D as in delightful, E, G as in genuine, E, dot com. So protege.com. Um, or just go to protege.com to get more information about us. But I like to tell people if, if what I'm doing all day long is is answering questions about capabilities or or projects or would this work or won't, then I'm a happy boy. So So I I love to hear from people. I love that. Well, I think this is not going to be the end of the conversation of the DIY, DIT, and then add on top of that, the done for you, like the whole, you know, like the the moving back and forth of it. I don't think it's all uh, either the end of market research teams being asked to do more with less. So I think we're probably going to be in this conversation for a lot longer. And so it sounds like you're a great resource for people. Awesome. Well, yeah, it's it's an interesting ride, and every day is something new. So it is it is fun uh, to work in, and it's fun to meet great people like, like you, Priscilla, who's got that clear, genuine passion for for what you're doing. Uh, that's the kind of thing that that gets you out of bed in the morning. Well, it's all about bringing people together. So if you have questions, you heard it here. Ed's own kids say that he will help you. So you can hold that over him. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for coming on the show. And from all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.